Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the Ninth State Sports Show Field Hockey Edition. Uh, my name is Joe Marcellina, and joining me once again, Sauhegan Field Hockey Coach and AD Kelly Braley. Kelly, how are you doing today? I'm pretty good, all things considered. <laughs> End of the season's always sad. Yes, it is. I, and it's uh, it's always so abrupt, too. You know, I was I was standing there on Sunday uh, after the, the Division One final was was go- was wrapping up, and I just was thinking, well, you know, this is the last field hockey game I'm going to cover this year. And it just it, it just feels so – it's so fast, and it just ends so quickly. Yeah, screeching halt. It's been, it's been very weird, like, going home after school and <laughs> <laughs> not sticking around until 6. Yeah. Uh, well, normally this is where I would tell you – or I would remind you that you can send us questions and feedback. Uh, you could still do that, but uh, unfortunately after uh, today we won't be doing a field hockey podcast for uh, – or at least – I don't know. At least for a little while. Uh, I don't know. Maybe we'll maybe we'll jump back in and do a random one at some point in the off season. But uh, oh man, there you go. <laughs> uh, but if you do still want to to send any uh, any feedback, you can by uh, sending an email to nhhighschoolsports at gmail dot com. Uh, you can follow on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and and now apparently uh, YouTube. You can create your own handle. So I, I've updated that one as well. They're all at nhhsports uh, and. Um, yeah, we're uh, we're wrapping it up this uh, on this show, um, the season, the championships. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about the semifinals too, because we didn't get to that. Uh, also, want to give an update um, for any of those that you are going to the site, going to the site today, looking for the coaches poll. Uh, had a little, uh, I don't know what the right word for it is there, but I'll just say it'll be up to it'll will be up later in the day on Wednesday. Uh, I know I had said it was going to be up on Tuesday. Uh, November 1st but uh yeah it just didn't it didn't work out that way uh all the coaches got back to me it's not their fault it's my fault um but it'll be there on Wednesday life happens don't beat yourself up (laughs) it does it sure does (laughs) uh it seems to happen a lot more these days than it used to but uh we'll we'll just kind of roll with it um all right so let's um let's talk about some some playoffs here uh I think we'll probably start with division one um usually where we start and uh, I want to go back before we get into the championship game. I want to talk about the semifinals a little bit um, because honestly, those were two uh, semifinals that were, I, I mean, from start to finish, just very intense games. Uh, of course, you had wind, or excuse me, you had Exeter uh, with a two nothing win over Wyndham in the first semifinal in a game where we were talking before we started here. I told you I thought that that you know Exeter's defense was just so so good that. I don't know how Wyndham would have scored in that in that game. They obviously didn't, but it, it would have taken, you know, the perfect effort, I think, for them to get a goal in that game. Um, yeah. And then the second game, you had Winnicunit, again, coming back and beating Dover in overtime, like Winnicunit seemed to do almost all year. Uh, they won that game 3-2. Uh, Abby Wilbur had all three goals in that game. But what was what was crazy about that one was if you missed the start of the game, you missed quite a bit because it was 1-1 about two and a half minutes into the game. Uh, you know, Winnicunit scored on a penalty stroke in the first, like, 90 seconds, and then Dover came back and got a corner and scored off that, you know, like a minute later. Uh, so a crazy start in what was a, a 3-2 final. Um, and I don't know, did anything anything stand out from either of those to you? I mean... I mean, when you have the top four seeds like that in the semis, it's hard to say that, you know, anything unexpected happened. But anything that stood out in either of those games? 
Yeah, I was I was trying to figure out, like, quickly looking through, when the last time Wyndham got shut out in a game oh, was. Oh, yeah, that's a good question. Because I I think we got to go back quite a ways <clears throat> to find the last time that, that Wyndham had gotten shut out. So, um, but, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> semifinals always bring a different level of intensity, um, you know, and especially for maybe some of the – yeah, you know, younger girls or new to varsity girls or ones just new to the tournament. There really is just a whole different feel to those games. Um, so, you know, fitting, I guess, that when it kind of just kind of stuck with the plan that <laughs> seemed to work for them almost all season. And then, um, yeah, the, the Exeter Wyndham battle, um, you know, settling the tie from the regular season. Um, but yeah, that's the big thing that stands out for me. I wonder, I wonder when the last time Wyndham got shut out was. I mean, I don't even know where you would go to look for that, <laughs> to be yeah, honest. I don't either. Um, I think, you know, on, on top of that too, you also <clears throat> look at, um, you know, that's the first time that Wyndham hasn't been in the finals since uh, 2015, you know, when they were still in D2. Uh, and then, I mean, you go back even further and that's only... I mean, they've been, other than that year, they've been in the final every single year uh, since 2012. Wow. Um, so what is that? Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to, great thing for, and, for doing on the podcast. I'm going to count out loud here. One, two, three, <laughs> uh, four, five, six, yep, seven, eight, nine. So that was like nine out of 10 years in a, in the championship um, yeah. going into this year. Uh, you know, just, um, that's quite a run. Um, I, and I, it feels like there's been a couple programs over the years that have run, have had runs like yeah. that. And, and I would, I think I would put Winnicott in that category. It was weird to me to be at the, the championship game and look at them and think that that's the first time they had been there since 2018. Right. Cause I feel like they were there. They were a staple in that, in the D one final for, for quite some time. For quite some time. Yeah. And I, I, I think all the divisions kind of have that, have that team that just seems to, you know, find their way up there and, and has that, that just culture of, of getting to those games year after year. Uh, I do want to mention too, the, the end of that, um, or the last, the second half and then overtime of that Dover Winnicott game too, was just, it felt like, uh, it was one of those situations where you're like, one team is kind of controlling play so much that you almost, especially when it got tied, it's like, ah, that's, that might be it. Because Dover was just, you know, they had corner after corner after corner in the, in the third quarter. They finally go up 2-1 on a, a, a goal by um, Audrey Carter. Uh, you know, and, and Winnicott was just getting, they were, you know, taking play the other way, but just couldn't get into the circle. I, they only had three corners in the entire game, and they were all, like, all led up to goals. Like, the, the stroke at the beginning of the game came off a corner, um, their their goal that tied it was on a corner that um, on a shot from from Wilbur that came across the goal and actually hit a Dover player in the leg and then caromed back. Like if that player hadn't been there, it probably would have just kept going. Yeah. Um. You know, and then in overtime, I think they had a corner. The ball came out. They got it back in and then scored. Um. So just, I mean, really taking advantages of opportunities there and and and. You know, something that Winnicott did a lot of this year was just just fighting back and and not letting that get to them. Yeah, I mean, if there was a 
like a, a grittiness award. It might be going to Winnicott yeah, for, for how many times they, you know, were down, but definitely not out. And, and that fight is absolutely what punched their ticket to the finals. Yeah. Unfortunately, they weren't able to carry that over in the finals. They did, uh, you know, they got down two nothing in that game and couldn't come back uh, with Exeter getting goals from, uh, from Addison McNeil and, and Ella Raymond um, in the second half of that game. Uh, winning their second straight title, uh, two nothing, which um, you know you look back. I, I we talked about. I, I know that they talked about this a lot. Um, you know, last year, but um, but for Exeter to to come from where they were, you know, a few years ago, kind of the bottom of Division One. You know, they had a ton of kids in the program. They just couldn't seem to get everything to mesh together, and they finally did last year. To carry it over again this year with. You know, they had some some of their key players were back, but they did lose a little bit from a year ago. Um, so really great to see that 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 they've kind of risen back up to the top of of the division there. Yeah, and and you know, shutting two strong teams out in the semis and in the finals on the on the way to taking their second consecutive ship is just you know huge kudos to to Exeter for for that that keeping that defense going and, and keeping their opponents off the board in the times when you know that your opponent, you know, wants to score more than ever. Yeah, it was, um, you know, talking about shutting them out too. I mean, it was, it was the same kind of thing. I mean, Winnicott kind of had corners and had some chances on them, but I, I don't ever felt like they had like a great opportunity to score. Like they had a little, a couple of stretches in the third quarter where they got close and, and, you know, uh, Exeter goalie uh, Peyton King had to come out and make a, a save, but it wasn't anything that was like, whew, that was close. You can just kind of feel it coming, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, those, that was, um, that was uh, just, it's one of those, it's like you, you in the moment, it's kind of tough to watch, you know, when someone's playing really good defense like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then when you go back and think about it, it's kind of like, wow, I, yeah, I just kind of witnessed something that was really good is that if that makes sense <laughs> yeah yeah you take it for granted when you're watching it but then when you reflect back on it you're like wow that was actually yeah way better than i recognized in the moment yeah and 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 for for you know when it kind of um i think we talked about this maybe early on in the podcast you know that they were uh a team that was kind of flying under the radar until they hit that stretch of tough games mid-season that they were able to pull all of those out and uh, I, I asked, um, I asked Heidi Hand, the you know Winnicott's coach, about that after the game. Was, you know, when did it feel like this was a team that that could get to the final, that could get to that point, and maybe win? And that's what she said was was in that stretch of games in midseason when they were just they would sound so much resiliency, were able to to figure out how to win games, uh, go into so many overtimes and 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 winning. Um, you know, they really just they seemed like a team that that could get it done. Uh, yeah, just, I think just... that that's the stretch that put everybody on notice, I think, in the state. And and I bet if we went back and looked at coaches polls, too, that's that's when that's when that changed for them as well. Right. And they, you know, shot up to the top and then hung there. Yeah, they, they kept kind of they had a couple of weeks there where they were just climbing and climbing until they got to number one. Um, I don't know. Any other thoughts on uh, on Division one and how that all played out? Oh, I'm just great games. I mean, it's, it's reassuring, I guess, when, you know, it's the one, two, three, four, or, you know, yeah. one, two, 
three, five that, that are in that final four, you know, it's reassuring the way the schedules are built and the way the, the system works. So, um, no, I mean, I think it, I think it shook out the way it was supposed to and congratulations to Exeter for, for their second in a row. Yeah. I, any, anything from this season, um, looking at division one that kind of, um, I don't know, I'm kind of I'm kind of springing this on you last minute too, um, oh, okay. but but just any and was there any kind of storyline or anybody that you thought that that you know any team or, or something that stood out um, you know aside from you know like we said the teams that made the semis um, any kind of good stories that are or anybody that kind of surprised us um, this year. I think maybe the big story for me coming out of D1 or the thing I'm gonna like kind of take and and think about with the season being over. Um, is I guess just how much, how many teams we talked about, like there were really few teams that were like, you know, out of it. Right. Um, or, you know, just didn't really seem like they had that competitive edge at any point. Um, so I think that that just speaks volumes to the growth of the game in the state and how much these girls are, are working in the off season and, um, and I think it's going to just continue to lead to to better years of great field hockey coming out of New Hampshire. Yeah, it's kind of it, it, I, I I hear what you're saying, and it's kind of there was more depth in the division than maybe yeah. we would have guessed, uh, or maybe you would have seen five years ago or so. Right. Um, and it's tough to it's tough to look at that when and say that when you have, you know, the top four seeds make the semis and the top two teams make the finals. It it kind of was like, well, maybe there really wasn't, but. I mean, those teams are there for a reason. Like, they were the top teams for a reason. And, you know, there were certainly games that were one-sided throughout the regular season, but there were a lot of games that were, you know, that were closer than you would have expected. You know, I look at, at some of these results, and, you know, down the stretch, um, Exeter had, a, you know, one nothing game with Londonderry, a 2 nothing game with Pinkerton. Um, you know, Keene, we talked about all year, where they were right there with just about everybody Actually, all of all of their games, um, there was only one loss they had that was mm-hmm. more, by more than a goal. Um, you know, uh, Concord had a, a fantastic year and really was just a goal away from from uh, you know pulling an upset against Wyndham in the quarterfinals. Yeah. So yeah, I think you're right. There was a lot more depth than um, than maybe in years past. And I wouldn't be surprised that, you know, I, I don't know how much it was in Division One. I. I know I was looking at some of the other divisions, just looking at the playoff team's rosters mm-hmm. and seeing how many seniors there were on some of these teams. I feel like there are a couple teams that were on the cusp that are going to have a large group back yeah, uh, and, and could, you know, move up the standings a little bit next year. Yeah, I think there's definitely fewer teams that are graduating huge classes than there are, you know, ones that'll have some some experience returning so um i think you know next year in the division you know it's it's might sound cliche but i really mean this i think it really could be anyone's anyone's to take um you know there were there were so many teams kind of in the middle of the pack that like you said with with one more win or you know a goal here and there you know end up in the top four or five you know instead of someone else so um you know i'm i'm already excited for next year and and seeing how these teams are going to respond and grow um yeah i mean you look at a a team like dover i think loses three seniors from that team um so they've i mean they've got to be an early favorite going into next year 
Um, you know, and Londonderry has a couple, but uh, I think they have some kids back. Pinkerton, too. They lose a couple of key seniors, but they've got a lot back. And then Wyndham, I mean, Wyndham loses some good seniors, but they the strength of that team, I think, was really uh, in the underclasses, underclassmen there. Yeah. Um, yeah, they've got a lot of a lot of good youth coming up. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I guess we uh, we got to move on to to D two now. Uh, I suppose. <laughs> well, we'll <laughs> let's start with I I, I want to start with the semifinal game. Um, yep. You know, Sauhegan and Portsmouth, because that was one like. And I'll start. I guess maybe the best way for me to describe my feelings on that game was how I felt. That was the first semifinal last Wednesday. How I felt during the second semifinal between John Stark and Hollis Brookline, which was a good game. Um, you know, Stark won two nothing. It was competitive. It was you know feisty. Uh, there was plenty of intensity, uh, and and I had a hard time focusing on that game because the previous one game I thought was so the level of play there was so high there was so much I guess unfolding throughout that game that anything that would have followed it would have been tough to to follow um yeah I mean it seems like I, I mean that was the story of our regular season game too like it was it's yeah, it, yeah. it's a beautiful you know it's a beautiful game when two high skilled teams you know can play against each other and both are able to execute and showcase and highlight their skill and I think you know um both teams had a ton of high IQ players on the field too so you know, it, it gives you enough opportunity as a fan watching to, you know, see where the play is going to develop maybe a little bit more. And then, you know, you kind of get a little bit, a little bit more of the nuances of it and how each team responds. So, um, you know, it's a, it's, it's a fun, they're a fun game for, for me to coach. Um, and I think, you know, Sarah Carpenter at Portsmouth would say the same thing. Cause it is, it's really nice when just two high skilled teams can go play a, a competitive, but beautiful game. Yeah. I, and it was, it was a little bit of a, a roller coaster, I think at times, um, you know, the finals four, three, you know, Portsmouth gets up, uh, one, nothing. And I'm trying to remember you came back and Sawegan came back and tied it before halftime, right? It was one, one at Correct. halftime. Yeah. Um, and then two quick goals to start the second half, and it's 3-1. And honestly, the way that that third quarter was going, um, I kind of thought it was like, well, you know, this this might be it. Uh, and then that fourth goal goes in early in the fourth quarter, and I couldn't help but think, you know, okay, well, that's, that's definitely it now. It's 4-1. I mean, how many times does a team come back from 4-1, from especially in a playoff game? And uh, it, it got a little hairy there at the end. Yeah, I, I told the girls at the end that I was pretty sure they took seven years off of my life with that <laughs> one. But um yeah, I mean I've 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 long said that a two goal lead is the worst lead in hockey. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, you get one more goal and you feel like you're right back in it, um, because you are. <laughs> and then so, you know, even though it wasn't three one, you know, we had that four one lead. When you have, when, you know, when the team on the other side of the ball is Portsmouth, you know, and you've got the players on that field, like you do, um, you know, specifically Mia and, and Charlotte and, and Darla, like they're, they're down, but they're not out. So, and they, they were inches away from, from taking us to overtime with a, with a last minute corner with time expired. I, and that would have been, I mean, of course you got, you know, you have as good opportunity at that point as they do to win the game, but that would have been tough to come back from, I think. Yeah. I, I, 
I, I agree. <laughs> I mean, it's it mindset. Mindset would have been a big, a big thing to talk yeah, about. Luckily, yeah. it wasn't a bridge I had to come across with them. Um, and you know, Annie was able to keep that ball outside yeah. of the net, and it went over the end line. Um, but yeah, that would have been. That would have been very interesting to see how that would have unfolded. You know, and, and crazy to think that in both games that you guys played this year that it came down to an un, untimed corner <laughs> at, yep. for Portsmouth at the end of the game. I mean, just, just to tie it. Yeah, that's it's just crazy. Yeah, yeah. I think that game easily, I can say, was the was the best game that we had played all season. Like, everybody was really clicking. Um, passes were working, goals were going in, we were executing, you know, really well. So that was a, that was a really good game. You know, and, and kind of interesting setup where you have your side of the bracket with the, you know, the two of you, uh, having played in the semifinal last year. And then in the other side, you got, you know, John Stark and Hollis Brookline who won, you know, John Stark having never been there before mm-hmm. and Hollis Brookline, I, I mean, who knows? No one, no one seems to know the last time they were in the semifinals. Well, yeah. We we know they played in that one uh, championship game back in uh, what did we say it was nineteen ninety ninety or something <laughs> like that yeah um so obviously I mean I don't know did they have a semifinals there was it just straight into a championship game who knows um, right but they did play uh, in that that class MS uh, final in nineteen ninety um you know unless there's another Hollis I don't know I I don't I don't think there I don't was, think so yeah um so yeah playing in the semis for the first time in a long time uh. And, and I really didn't think in that, you know, sometimes you get there for that, that first time in that game and, you know, you can tell that a team hasn't been there before. And I don't know if either team really showed that. No, no. I mean, I think that's, you know, that's kind of the big story for me coming out of D2 in the playoffs is composure. Yeah. Um, because I really think that's that's what decided the championship game as well. So, um, no, it, it definitely, you know, neither of those teams looked out of place being in the final four. It was a highly competitive game. It was fast. Um, you know, the, the scoring opened with kind of an unfortunate goal. I mean, especially if you're, if you're Hollis, right. But, um, you know, Lauren Gavon from Stark took a shot that I think Hollis goalie Reagan Klein thought was outside the circle. Um, so, you know, she put her hand up and kind of stepped aside and in it went. But in fact, that shot was from inside the circle. So yeah. that goal counted. Um, and, you know, to Hollis's credit, I don't think that that deflated them, really. I think that they came back, you know, eager to eager to score and, and definitely had a few chances to do so. Um, but the Stark defense just held super strong and and. They were very composed for how young they are. And this being their first time there, I thought Stark played two, you know, really, really composed games in the semis and the finals. I mean, one goal, I mean, you look at that and you say, oh, man, we, you know, we've got, we can tie, we can match that. But, I mean, you go back and look, and they gave up seven goals all year. Yeah. Um, and that's just mind-blowing. Yep. Um, yeah, they're not an easy team to score on, that's no, for sure. No, And And the thing that I, you know, I, I kind of, you know, I saw them a little bit, but I mean, with them, you know, we talked about earlier rotating a couple different goalies. I'm not sure if I saw much of Edie Fisher before the playoffs, um, but I mean, she seemed she was very, I thought, aggressive and coming out and cha- really challenging, trying to cut down the angles. And yep. uh, it just on corners, it just it took too long, I think, for for Hollis to kind of adjust to to counter that, and and then they just didn't have the oppor- enough opportunities to. 
Yeah, and and you know Stark's corner D unit led by I think Addie Bulldock was yeah, there yeah. was there fly. Um, she's just so fast. So you're you know your only chance is really a slip because uh, you're not getting a direct shot off on them. Um, right. She's you know she's out there and on your way too fast. So um, and if you know your insert isn't getting to the top as quickly as you need it to, then you know it makes things even more challenging and. And the rest of their their D unit holds very strong, and Edie was certainly an anchor of that. Right. Uh, and then uh, the final, um, you know, I think you and I talked about this on Sunday after the game a little bit. Um, you know, I know as a program you guys have been there, you know, two years ago, and then that, you know, that final, though, was up at Kennett, a little bit of mm-hmm. a different different situation there because of, of COVID. Um, but the year before, you're at Bedford, but I don't know. I mean, your seniors would have been freshmen then. Yeah. Totally new atmosphere to them. Obviously new atmosphere to Stark. And I think you could see that from both teams early in the game. Again, there you know, maybe the where those those jitters maybe weren't there in the semifinals for, for everybody. They were there in the final a little bit to start that. Yeah, game. and I for for us for sure, you know, a a good chunk of my team had been to the semi before, you know, last year with Portsmouth and had kind of known what that atmosphere was like and knew what to expect, but only um, three of my girls had played in a championship game before. Um, and none of them had played at Bedford. So, yeah, you know, new atmosphere, new feeling, all that stuff. And, you know, the, I think that the emotion of the game and the, the grandeur of it definitely, definitely got the best of us. And I think, you know, Stark staying, Stark, you know, finding their footing faster than we were able to in that game um, and then being able to stay strong and, and not get flustered for the full 60 minutes is is really what really what did it for them. We certainly had plenty of chances the second quarter, especially, um, you know, we had some odd man rushes and some breakaways on Edie, but she came out strong and and played aggressively and was able to save things we had you know some near misses on the post but um it seemed like kind of as the game went on we got more flustered and and stark stayed composed yeah that that second quarter um flurry that you guys had there kind of like the last half of the second quarter i i you know i asked um you know stark coach uh dennis pelletier after because because edie was all like not just all over the place but she was on the ground like going after the ball and I was like, well, I can't believe that he's like, yeah, that's not usually what she does. Like, she isn't usually, you know, a, a go to the ground and try to stop the ball that way. Uh, so I went and talked to her after the game, too. And I asked her, you know, and I, and I really I really liked what she had to say. I asked her, you know, what was what was going on? Um, and her response was kind of just like, uh, you know, or I'll just I'll just read what she told me. Um, you know, my head was telling me just save the ball. That's all you've got to do. Uh, it's not a matter of right footwork or anything like that. Just get the ball. Yeah. And and I I just I don't know. I I mean for for someone playing on that stage the first time in that situation. I mean just I thought that was that was huge. Yeah. Yeah. I mean such a such a mature response from a young player in a new situation. But yeah. yeah and and she did. She stopped every shot we threw at her. Um. You know the other thing that I think. Um, you know, Coach Pelletier did with with the um, with the program as a whole that I I liked seeing and and I I kind of would hope that other programs would do something similar. So I I know you're only allowed to have a certain number of kids 
like there, like on the like the mm-hmm. the rules require you to have. I think is it twenty five. Twenty five is your max hockey? roster yeah. size. Yeah. And and I think what he did was he added as many like JV kids as he could, and and brought them up to just kind of like they weren't going to play, but just kind of absorb the moment. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think <clears throat> I think his full program number was right around like twenty six or right. twenty seven. Right. So it's a tough thing, right? Like, cause, cause you know, telling two girls, no, sorry, you can't come on this <laughs> yeah. historic journey with us is just, is just brutal. That's so, rough. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I don't, I don't, I, I hope he brought everybody and I hope, you know, <laughs> even if it was 27, who cares? Like the I experience know, right? for this and, and, you know, having them be able to be a part of it and, you know, obviously girls had to swing all season. So, you know, everybody was involved from the beginning. It just makes sense for them to finish it together. Always kind of kind of uh, neat when a program wins like their that first championship, too. Um, you know, I know that's that's, uh, you know, just to go back and look, you know, it's one of those ones you'll go back and look, you know, 10 years from now, you know, we'll, we'll OK, that was then a kind of the mark where that that things kind of changed uh yeah if that makes and sense and that i mean that does a lot to solidify a culture as well right, right? like yeah, when yeah, you you know when you've grown and kind of risen through the ranks as you know a team that didn't that wasn't competitive when they first started and really had to fight to to gain respect and all of that um you know this this i think will solidify them as as a contender for many years, right. because I think, you know, what you'll see next year is their program's going to grow in numbers because people always want to be part of successful programs. And, you know, they want the shot for, you know, competing at, and on that stage. So I think their numbers will grow. And I think, you know, with that will come a higher level of play as well. So, you know, they've certainly, I don't think, I don't think that this was a, this was a one and done situation for them. I think they're going to be contenders for, for a lot of years yeah they as we you know we were talking about with division one you know who who's it who loses what um yeah they just lose five seniors uh from their roster too yeah um you know and i don't i I, back to to bringing the the, you know getting people experience in that situation i don't understand why you know some um you know, even if you're not in the final, like I, I would, I, I talk to coaches sometimes, and this isn't just specific to field hockey. This is every, every sport mm-hmm. it feels like. And I just, I'm just always surprised at the number of coaches that don't want to go watch the finals. Yeah. You know, like, uh, you know, especially if, if they lost to like one of the teams that's in there, I don't want to watch them win it. I would, I would want to go just to experience it. Like, and the thing that I yeah. look at, I, if you don't mind a little story time here. Um, <laughs> um, I, I think back to um, the the 2019 boys lacrosse uh, division three final where you had, um, you know, Pelham was the number one seed. They beaten Hopkinton, snapped their long win streak uh, during the regular season. You know, they, they meet again. They're the one and two seeds. They meet again in the final. Um, you know, it's a it's a Saturday afternoon in early June at Exeter, which you know, I don't know if you've ever been there for that, but the sun is just that time of day, the way the field's yep. positioned, it's just beating down on you. And Hopkinton had been there. That was their third year in a row at that final. They had a ton of water on the sidelines. They had tents to cover their bench, you know, for the kids to get some shade. Mm-hmm. And they they were in the darker jerseys too, which you'd think, you know, that would have really, I mean, it, it did probably sap their energy, but they had ways around on the sidelines. Whereas Pelham had no tents 
Um, I mean, they had water, but I don't know how, you know, if they had enough or how much they had or if maybe they went through it faster. But you could just tell as that game went on that that experience of having been there and having those extra resources that you brought, it it really helped. And, And I just I think more coaches would benefit from going and seeing these kind of things happen. Yeah, yeah, just going and seeing the setup and how the how the timing pregame works and, you know, figuring out how early you arrive and what your team needs and time of day and all that stuff. Yeah, because, I mean, especially where the, where the time rotates right. um, yeah. each year for, for when you have your game. Like, an 11 a.m. final is a weird time. Like, <laughs> Absolutely you don't is. play games at 11 a.m. Like, that's just a, that's just a, a different you know, different prep the night before and, and, you know, different prep that morning. So, um, yeah, I agree. And I, I mean, also it's just like, it's just a great game to go watch. And really at the end of it, I wish, I wish, I wish the feeling that like, we're all like, we're all in it for hopefully close to the same reasons. And that is the kids. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that regardless of who's in it, these people have been on the same journey as you. Um, and yeah, they made it a little bit longer and a little bit farther, but, um, you know, it's just, it's the culminating event for our sport in the state. And, and yeah, you know, it's, it's nice when, you know, even after the loss, you know, you get coaches that you've coached against all year texting you and saying like, you know, Hey, great season you know, be proud of your girls, that kind of thing, or, or the congratulations when you win it. It means a lot because these are the colleagues that you've, you know, worked with and, and against all year, you know, in the spirit of giving kids a, a good experience. Yeah, I will say that, that uh, you know, over the, the last couple of years of, of focusing more on field hockey, I will say that, that, that the there's, there's a lot more coaches that are in kind of the, you know, that are, are – I don't I'm trying to think of the right way to put it without making it sound like some kind of like click or something, you know. Yeah. Um but if I feel like that a lot of of you coaches are a lot closer to each other uh as, you know, in in a, a friendly competitive kind of way rather than like oh, I don't like that coach. I'm I want to beat them, you know, like Yeah. We want to see them, you know, this happen or that happen. Um Yeah. There's a lot more friendships that are involved between coaches if that makes sense I, I that might no. sound a little cheesy but no it absolutely it absolutely makes sense and I think you know it's 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 a bunch of different factors I think one of the things is that you know we're we're field hockey is still largely and and under underappreciated sport I think <laughs> yeah. in high schools you know the first thing you hear from people and they're like oh field hockey, oh, so many whistles I don't get it like, right, right. It's really yeah. not that hard to understand if you, you know, invest a little bit of time. And and I think that there are also, there's a good um, core of veteran coaches that have been around for a while. So, you know, you've developed that kind of respect for each other. And then the new coaches that have come into the division as well with the addition of like the mentorship program that, you know, Bill Larkins and Nicole Treadway at, at Central and Londonderry, you know, kind of got going within the association is you know, has made it so that, you know, I think people feel like we're in this together sooner. Right. I didn't know about that last part, but that sounds, I mean, that's, that sounds like a no brainer. Like, why wouldn't you want to have something like that for your Yeah. I mean, there's a bunch of nuances and stuff, you know, the flow of the season or, you know, all schools do things a little bit differently, but like, Hey, if I want to do this, like, what's the process at your school? Cause 
you know, it might, uh, might help you figure out how to navigate it at your own, especially if this is your first coaching gig. Um, well, I'll ask you the same question before we move on um, about Division Two um, that I did Division One. Anything kind of stand out to you from this year? I'm uh, I'm still just <laughs> flabbergasted <laughs> at the amount of ties this division saw. <laughs> like, what the heck happened? It was it was you know a really in any given Tuesday or Friday situation. I think within the division, so many teams you know were able to to make it tough on each other um and and yeah i mean just just wild so many times there were there were 18 ties uh <laughs> and i i guess i think we said this last time that it would be easier to count the teams that didn't have one there were 14 yeah. teams that had a tie so 16 yeah. six teams out of 20 didn't, didn't didn't have a tie it's amazing yeah and and that's like three of those teams were teams that didn't make the playoffs so of the playoff teams there were th- three that didn't have a tie yeah which is always fun when you're trying to figure out ratings and tiebreakers and all that other stuff. it is it is it would be (laughs) it would be it would be nice if we could you know maybe take another look at expanding the number of games played especially with this now being the largest division um it would be nice to do that i know that you know technically we could play 16 um and now that the start date has been moved back a week, I think it might be, you know, worth revisiting, you know, should we, should we maybe look at going to that 16 game schedule so that it, it, uh, you know, balances out the, the standings a little bit more come playoff time. Cause well, I think that there were, that was the other thing too. I think in the first round of playoffs or the first two rounds of playoffs, the number of teams that didn't play each other in the regular season a lot more than you would have expected. Yeah. yeah, was was pretty high. So yeah, um, and not that that's necessarily a bad thing or something that needs to change. It's just I think it might be worth taking a look at if if that's something we wanna we wanna do. Uh, I wouldn't mind seeing too. Um, you know, if you're gonna add a game or two, maybe uh, try to play. You know, those of you that wanted to obviously um, right. play up and maybe take on some some D one teams that are are local. Yeah. I think yeah, that would I mean, be fun. Uh, a Sauhegan BG, I wouldn't be opposed to for yeah. sure. Yeah, that I think those would be. That would uh, be a fun game. Those, would, yeah, those would be fun games, and and um, you know, it's it's not that. I mean, that's that's I guess one of my other big takeaways from you know from this week, and and I was really I'm really glad that the NHIA has field hockey set up this way, where you know the semifinals are all on different nights. It you know, like yeah. I can I I went to all six of them. Um, I saw Division Three, Division Two, and Division One. You know, I can, you know, granted, it's tough watch not watching them back to back to tell who's, you know, the level of play. But Mm -hmm. I feel like watching a lot of those teams, you know, with the exception of, you know, maybe one or two of them, you all could have gone into a big, you know, tournament together and played each other and and it would have been fairly competitive. Yeah, I've always kind of wondered what that would look like if we took the, you know, the, the finals of all three divisions and threw them in for like a like a state championship, not just a divisional. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like a that true would be interesting. Like a true state champion kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Would be fun. I think it would be interesting. Hmm. <laughs> Look All at right. us. Look at us thinking on a Tuesday night. 
Who knew? It's dangerous. <laughs> we got to watch out there. I know. Um, all right. Well, before we uh, we finish up, we got to talk a little bit about D three too. Um, obviously, with the the schedule change, uh, I don't think either of I I know I wasn't at that game uh, between Brady and, and Guilford. Um, but um, another another close, actually another two nothing game, uh, like the Division One final, kind of yeah. interesting there. Um, but I think you know, just you saw the culmination of what we maybe talked about earlier in the year with Guilford, you know, going wire to wire, finishing undefeated um, against a team that seems to, <laughs> no matter what they do in the regular season, seems to find a way to get into the final in Bishop Brady. Yeah, I mean, we we said from the beginning it was kind of Guilford's to lose, um, but Brady, I found this stat too, which I didn't I didn't realize. I guess that this is the the fourth consecutive yeah. championship appearance for for Brady, and they've never been ranked higher than like three, maybe. I don't think they've ever been higher than the third seed, um, but they yeah. they just keep making it back to the ship. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I don't remember 2019. I know they they won that year. Obviously, the COVID year was a little weird one. Um, yeah, because that was the final where uh, I think Berlin had won the other semi the day before, uh, but then had to pull out of the championship game because you know there were kids on the team that who had who had tested positive. Yeah, um, and the team like Brady was playing Muscoma in the other semifinal and they found out that in like right at the end of the game going into overtime right so whoever won that game was then gonna yeah it was kind of a weird weird finish yeah. from what i remember yeah that was i remember that too yeah it was yeah they told them at the start of overtime yeah, whoever like, wins this hey is the state guess, yeah guess what <laughs> <laughs> yep uh so you're playing for all of it right now Surprise. yeah yeah um <laughs> might have been better news to hold on to until till the end but you know hindsight's 2020 right yeah um, but I yeah, don't know, maybe. just a just like kind of an incredible run. I and I think we maybe even joked about that a little bit at the end of the regular season, um, going yeah. into the playoffs. You know, maybe not. I don't think we did it on the podcast, but just you know, sharing notes like you know, saying, "Oh, watch out for them." Uh, because, yeah, you know, absolutely. They, I mean, uh, they were they got it done. Brady yeah. absolutely, absolutely got it done right until the end, and then you know, Guilford just came in and did as far as, as far as I heard, at least Guilford came in and did what, what Guilford does, which is just, you know, uh, surround you, um, with great layers on defense and, and don't make it easy for you to move the ball up the field against them or transition quickly. And then, you know, they found the back of the, they found the back of the net. And, and they were, um, seeing them in the semifinals, um, you know, there was the, Olivia Keenan was the one that kind of stood out to me. I mean, she seemed to be all over the field. It was the kind of thing where it was like, okay, she's down there making the play on defense. Ball goes up, gets in the offensive, and then all of a sudden, wait a minute, 19's up there on offense too. Like, how did yeah. how did she get up there? Um, and she's just a sophomore, which, you know, that's uh, – Great do, news for yeah, them. Yeah, they do lose quite a bit of seniors uh, from this year's team. Um, just relative to their numbers overall. Uh, but having her back and then the goalie too, uh, Lily Winward, uh, also just a sophomore, um, you know, that's that's huge for them. So they'll have a little bit of a foundation to, to kind of rebuild off of. Yeah, I mean, that sounds like two real anchor points that you have yeah. for, you know, two years to build around, which is which is a, a, a phenomenal, a phenomenal thing to have. Right, right. 
Um, all right. Well, I think uh, I don't know any. So I'll ask you the same question about Division Three. Um, anything that kind of surprised you this year uh, going on down there? Um, I don't know. I don't know. If surprise is the right answer, but it was. I mean, I've always kind of like looked at things, but but it was really fun to to follow this division a little bit more closely than I think I have before. I learned. I learned a lot about these teams and 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 how they play and rank against each other. And I think there's, you know, this, this division, this division seemed to have the same kind of, um, not issue. That's not the right word, but same kind of feel, same kind of vibe maybe as, as D one, where there was quite a yeah. bit of parity between, between quite a few teams, you know, and even though Guilford does, you know, finish everything off undefeated, you know, there were plenty of teams that didn't make it easy for them. So, um, so, you know, just great field hockey top to bottom, I think, throughout the throughout the state. Yeah, you look at their results throughout the year, and there were definitely some games that were closer than you, you kind of just think of when a team goes undefeated. You, you kind of assume that they had a not an easy schedule or an easy time getting through their schedule, but um, they had some, some close games and some bumps along the way. Um, just all of them ended up um, as wins. Yeah. And then watching the rest of the division kind of sort out, you know, and, and seeing Brady fight their way back to the final is, is, you know, a really cool thing as well. You know, and I think maybe uh, as much as any other division, um, what I was saying earlier about there not being a ton of seniors, I think that really holds true um, in division three. Of course, I closed the, the program on my computer before I actually got to this point. That was smart, Joe. Uh, here we go. <laughs> Um, but I mean, you look at like Conant, who finished fifth, uh, loses one senior. Um, I think they returned like nine juniors to their from their roster this past year. Um, even you know Brady doesn't have a, a a ton of seniors, although they lose a couple of key ones. Um, you know who else? Masinic uh, also in the final four. They do lose a couple of their top players as seniors, but um, enough contributors from. The underclassmen, I think they'll be pretty good. Uh, Muscoma Valley, we talked about earlier this year a couple times. They only lose two seniors. They've got a lot of juniors coming back. Um, so definitely, I think some really good teams that were really good this year uh, are going to be even better probably next year. Yeah, that's great. Fun to see, yeah. All right, well, um, I don't know. Unless you've got any other any thoughts on uh, on just the the field hockey season as a whole, or or anything to look forward to. Obviously, we got signing day coming up in about a week, um, so yep. there'll be some good news uh, coming out of there. I, you know what? I'll I'll give my little pitch right now. Um, I guess maybe I should have done that at the beginning, but um, here we are. Uh, anyone that uh, that is having like a signing event, or you're you know you're you're going to play in college. Um, you got some pictures and some info from your signing day, please feel free to email them to me. I would like to, you know, I've, I've tried in the last couple of years to just kind of have a running file on the website of, you know, of everybody, um, you know, where they're going and their picture and, and all that stuff. Um, so please, uh, send those along, uh, best ways probably through email nhhighschoolsports at gmail.com, but you can always tag me social media and, and Twitter, Instagram, wherever you're posting them. Um, and I will do my best to get those, uh, get those up on the site. Um, so yeah, that should be fun, uh, seeing those come in. Um, but yeah, outside of that, I, I think that pretty much wraps it up for, uh, for the 2022 field hockey season. Yeah. I mean, the next, the next field hockey games we'll see won't be until June with the twin state right, game, yeah. New Hampshire seniors versus Vermont. And then, uh, the East-West New Hampshire game for the Dartmouth 
Cancer Center, right. formerly the Norris Con Cancer Center. So um, two great events there where you can, you know, kind of come come see some of your favorite seniors from all divisions getting together to play on the field, you know, kind of one more time before they go off. So mm-hmm. those are always two really great events. All right. Well, yeah, we'll uh, definitely have more on those as we get a little closer. And uh, hopefully those, those rosters tend to come out kind of around the same time as Allstate, right? Or is that? A little bit later. Um, the, the twin state tryouts are this Sunday, so okay. the team will be okay. chosen then. I'm not sure when they'll release that roster after. I, I gotcha. imagine it'll be you know that week following, and then the East West games a, a different process. Each team gets to nominate uh, one senior, so that usually comes out after twin state. You, we wait and see what the what the results are from that tryout, and then you know coaches can can make their pick for who represents their team in the in the East West game. I guess I was thinking about how, like, when the lacrosse all-state teams come out, the the twin state rosters are also released. But yeah. I guess there's there's a little less time uh, in well, between yeah. those. Well, yeah, a little than... <laughs> bit more of a crunch in the in the yeah, spring. We yeah. still got quite a few months here. So. All right. Well, we'll keep an eye out for those and and definitely get those up on the site when they come out. And uh, all right, I guess that'll probably do it for us. Um, what Kelly? are you going to do with all your free time now? Oh, I've got plenty of of uh, <laughs> uh, plenty of things to get done. Don't don't you worry about me. I will not uh, I will not lack for things to do. <laughs> That's good. All right. Well, Kelly, thank you for uh, for doing this with me this season. I, I greatly appreciate it. Um, and and really uh, really hope we can do this again next year. Yeah, it was super great. Thanks for having me. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah. That is uh, Kelly Braley, the uh, Sauhegan field hockey coach and AD. Uh, I'm Joe Marcellina. Thanks for listening, and uh, we'll talk to you again down the road.